Hey friends, Ashton here. Welcome back to another episode of Good, True, and Beautiful. I hope you are doing well. Joining us for the umpteenth time, he and I, we don't know how many times we've done this, but uh, he is one of my favorite beautiful souls in the world. He is after the things that we are all after. He is taking the knowledge and wisdom that we're all after, and he actually is putting skin and skin and blood into it in life. And uh, I'm just thankful to call him a friend. Aaron McHugh from the great state of Colorado. He's with us today. He's got a lot of new projects, things to talk about, and he and I always walk the road of mystery together. So that being said, Brother McHugh, welcome back. Thanks, man. I love being on the road of mystery with you. (laughs) (laughs) The road of mystery. Let's do that. The narrow road. Here we go. Let's walk a little bit. So um, you and I, again, we don't know the last time you were on. Skype says a couple years ago. Um, But uh, I I feel like our uh, community here has really, um, just your journey has been beautiful to watch. Um, you've taken so many new steps, so many, uh, brave and courageous steps these last few years from leaving, uh, certain job fields, uh, becoming an author, changes in life, changes within your family. You've just been a guy that I've looked up to, and I know so many of our people have as well. Um, where, where do you want to start? Where do you want to bring us up to speed on the, on the, on the life of Aaron McHugh? Mm. Yeah, I guess what I'm what I'm struck by is just our little catch up before we turned the mic on to record was this idea of that good things just take time. <laughs> yeah. And I just saw uh, I don't subscribe to many um, like daily emails or people's um, updates. Mostly just I have learned to subscribe to the the. Tim Ferriss calls it, I think, the low information diet. But one that turned up in my inbox this week was um, from Seth Godin. And he talked about um, influencers that he um, is exposed to and that are um, rapidly ascending, basically. And he went on to talk about um, they're really bad listeners and they make a lot of noise and um, – profess that if you just be like them, essentially, mm-hmm. things will go well for you. And he went on to say, um, I've never found that to be very helpful. And I think one of the things I've just learned a lot of is there's the world that we live in. And I don't think this is new. I just think that the version of the modern world that's expressing itself today may have its you know specific pieces in history that are unique. But the bottom line is like two games that get advertised and there's the short game, which is, you know, if you do a, B and C and uh, you have more followers or, you know, you scream the loudest or like my uh, daughter told me about somebody at her school that had some video this week that went um, viral and like the temporary nature of that kind of stuff. Like it's just, to me, it's actually to the point of depressing mm-hmm. and then the contrast to that is that there's a long game and the long game are the things that actually have substance and meaning and matter. And for me that uh, it's always been rooted and grounded in my, in my faith and my life with God. And, but also I think I've just grown in, in appreciation of like this, this new book that I, 
um, have releasing next month, I really at, at sometimes just feel f- I've felt frustrated along the way. Why has it taken me 10 years to extract this message, this art inside of me? Um, because I watch, you know, look around and think, well, so-and-so and so-and-so has done like eight books <laughs> in 10 years. Yeah. Um, how is it that I, I'm, I was only able to extract one? And what I've been appreciating is um, that how unhelpful comparison is in that mm. and that that my life is my life is my life. It's not yours and yours isn't mine. And and so I have an assignment that I'm entrusted with and that I have parts in my heart, body, mind and soul that I have been marinating on and realizing like, I'm actually a marinator. Like I listen to audiobooks. I'm listening to one right now, The Second Mountain by David Brooks. And I listened to the first four chapters and I loved it so much. I couldn't wait and help myself. I rewound it to the very beginning and started over. Hmm. Um, and I realized like that's just how I roll. Yeah. Like I watch the same movies over. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I listen to the same podcasts over. I read the same, but it's because I'm, I'm really attempting to allow it to get under my skin yeah. and to become a part of me. And, and I'm really selective in what I do that with. But as a result, I feel compelled um, and way sturdier in my conviction of why the long game is a way better game to be in the game of. Yeah, yeah. You know, a couple of days ago, and I can't even remember, I don't even have the face of who I was having this talk with, maybe one of my team members or something. And I said, hey, every single dot that you look backwards at and it connects and makes sense for you, it all happened through the long game. There's mm-hmm. no, there's, there's, you don't have a trophy on your wall or better yet within your soul that you would hold up and say, I'm proud of this that happened overnight, that happened by means of microwaves, that happened um, just by blinking your eyes or clicking on that or buying that product. Everything mm-hmm. that you find uh, that you're proud of in life, quite honestly, truly proud of, um, yeah. all comes by means of playing the long game. Yeah. yeah. Talk, to me, talk to me about when people hear this idea of the long game, what's the invitation for our listeners? Because I think... Some may hear you and I having this conversation and go, that's good for them, uh, but you don't know my life, you don't know my story. Um, hold my hand, hold the listener's hand on just kind of coming to know your own long game. Like, you may not know this thing day one when you start wondering, what is my long game? Um, yeah. But over time, this stuff starts to make more sense. Maybe a good example is I, I can speak to it from my own life and experiments that I'm running in my life. Yeah, perfect. So for instance, um, one of the things, so I've, how for you, the listener that our new friends, um, Ashton and I actually met each other through podcasting, which is really cool. Um, and then as we got to know each other, it's trading ideas and networks of people that we know and different stuff. And one of the things that's interesting in this world of podcasts or blogs, like when I started a podcast in 2012, it was not a, it was not a normal thing. Um, you know, I think uh, at the time there was 160 million blogs and maybe there was, you know, I don't know, let's say 170,000 podcasts or something. And I think now it's like 200 million podcasts or something like that. So it's like way, way noisier than when it was then. 
And um, there's a, in this world, um, there's a pressure of culture that says you have to be like um, constantly uh, creating new content. And there's like this, I always view it like, um, like 24 hour news channels, like, you know, CNN or something like that. And like almost this idea of, and I got this uh, email from another guy, I really like his work, but he talked about how he had released his 999th podcast in 999 days. <laughs> and I was actually depressed. Like, whoa, really? Like, time out. Yeah. Let's ask, maybe a more helpful question is, um, what, which of the 999 are you actually really proud of? And, and we're convinced that the world could not live without. And so one of the things that um, I've been wrestling with is to be part of the culture of consumption that we live in right now, where everyone's a consumer and it's insatiable and they're always looking for more is I realize I don't want to be part of contributing to that. So anything I put into the world, I want it to be very curated, selective um, and more of a result of the long game. And, um, so after seven years of producing a podcast at minimum every month, um, I pushed pause my podcast in January. Um, I turned off all social media. Now I didn't delete my accounts. Um, and I was in the final four months of finishing this, this new book and it was due to the publisher. And, um, I know you're a fan of, uh, Greg McEwen's work yep. on essentialism. And so this disciplined pursuit of less, yep. And so I thought, all right, I'm going to run this life experiment. I'm going to go with this disciplined pursuit of less. I'm going to concentrate on the thing I can do right now, which is in front of me, which is go ahead and finish this book, turn off all the other channels and um, things I've kind of uh, obligated myself to. That actually, some of what I realized is some of it, there was fear. I was afraid that if I didn't keep podcasting and producing content, then people would go away. Mm. You know, people would stop listening because they were on their phone, your iPhone too at the time. Like if you didn't keep refreshing a podcast, you, it automatically unsubscribed you kind of yeah. stopped updating. Yeah. And so I thought, you know what, what if I accidentally like vanish the equity that I've created um, in people's lives and they forget about me? You know, I've spent so many years building up a, uh, a community and um, what if it vanishes? And it was really fascinating because I, it was an honest wrestle of like, well, what do I believe? And what I realized is, you know, actually what I believe is, um, and again, another Seth Godin reference. I went to a, a workshop he had years ago and he talked about um, do, going deeper versus wider. Yeah. Yeah. Go deeper with fewer, not fewer like you don't care about how many, pay more attention about the deep than going wider and shallower. And his next question was, will they miss you if you're gone? Mm -hmm. And will the impact that you've created be so meaningful in people's lives, in their real life and work and relationships, that when you stop, they notice? Versus, you know, it just disappears and they never notice. So um, as I stopped doing all that, putting all that in pause, fast forward, I still have not shipped a podcast and since January. And I do have moments of like, man, I'm the world's biggest <laughs> um, 
don't follow my lead is how I feel <laughs> at moments, you know, like, but, but the funny thing was Ashton, and I'll close this thought out is I logged into my, the back end, like all the hosting provider yep. for the podcast yep. to, um, I had to pull some stats or something and I looked at it and I laughed because when I first started my podcast, um, and probably for the first, let's say upwards of like four or five years, I bet I had like, you know, I don't know, 40 to 250 downloads a month or something yeah. like that. Yeah. And, you know, super small, like it was my mom and a couple of her friends <laughs> and my brother. And we some, all start we all, there. Right. So the funny thing was that even without shipping it, podcasting for a whole year, um, my, the, the downloads were substantial. It was laughable. Wow. So to me, it was a, it was a test in that going deeper, making yep. an impact. And I've run into numerous people that have asked me like, where did you go? I really miss your voice in my ears as I go for a run. Or, hey, I just went back and listened to, I ran into a guy in California last week. I went back and listened to the talk you gave to USA Cycling. And I wanted to listen to it again because I think that's something I'm experiencing. So I realized mm -hmm. all that said, it's become really meaningful to me to to believe in the long game in such a way that making a difference matters more than the scurry and the hurry yeah. of trying to stay on the treadmill of life. That's a good word. That's a great word. Have you also found that going deep is actually sustainable? Like versus yeah. going wide, it's like, you know, you're just, you're done, you're smoked, you're burning the candle at both ends. But there's something to be said about daily across all metrics life, yeah. spirituality, yeah. business, whatever. When, there, there's something to be said about um, going small, go, going deep is actually sustainable. Have you found that to be true? Yeah, for sure. I, I was looking through some of your previous guests recently and one of your guys um, uh, pastor about uh, ruthlessly removing hurry from yeah. our lives. Yep. Um, and I think that's actually originally a uh, Dallas Willard quote. Yep. Um, uh, Dallas theologic, theologic ceremony guy. And, um, what, what I found is we really, the culture we live in is, it's the first time in history that everything has moved this fast mm -hmm. and there's been this much choice and this much, um, yeah, there's, it's too much. I don't believe we were humanly made for it. And I find myself subject to it a lot. You know, I'm, I'm overextended frequently. Um, the difference is I've allowed my soul to take priority in my life over what I attempt to achieve or accomplish. And that causes me to live with a lot of friction yep. because now I'm, I live aware and awake to my life in such a way that I'm not able to overextend without some consequences. Yep. Yep. And what that looks like for me is I end up with anxiety. Um, I'm not an anxious person. Like I don't have like anxious thoughts and worry all the time, but it shows up as like a, uh, like physical anxiety in my chest that I feel and I can tell, Oh, I've definitely overcooked it. This <laughs> I'm there. And yep. you know, I used to resent it. And now I use it as like data. It's like information. It's an early warning detection system that's like helping me like, oh, okay, good. Now, what do I know? What, how have I been living? What choices have I been making? Um, 
you know, how soulfully am I living here versus how um, striving and thriving, you know, like, you know, am I, where am I kind of on my dashboard yeah. lights of my life? And that just helps inform then how I can make different choices. No, I uh, read a book not long ago called, uh, I think it was called the body keep the body keeps the score, something like Great that. Book. Uh, yeah. yeah. Maybe you, did you give that to me or tell me about uh, it? I don't know. It would have been on my recommendation yeah. list. Maybe yes. you did it. Um, yeah. yeah, no, I know. Um, so then hold my hand on this idea of, you, you you called time out on a lot of things digital, if not all things digital. Um, and it really you were you were carving out and in your email kind of blast that you sent out, you talked about you know your attention and your intentions. Yeah, um, yeah. What did you learn about both of those words? Uh, are they are they similar? Are they different? Um, because I think that, uh, you know, when we set our intentions, life, we, we gain purpose. We know this is where, this is who I am and this is where I'm going. But a lot of times we are not set, setting that intention because our attention is on so many things. Mm-hmm. Um, talk mm-hmm. to me about those two words and what you found this year by kind of going radio silent in some space. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think two things come to mind. Um, I've been reading a friend's book that actually comes out. I think his also comes out in January. Um, and, uh, author's name is John Eldridge. And, um, he, this new book is about getting your life back is the title of it, I believe. And he, in the beginning, he talks about a book, a book he read in research and it's called the shallows. And it's about what the internet's doing to our brain. And what, what's fascinating is how much the, the, the digital age that we're living in is actually rewiring our brain in our capacity for focus, um, the focus of our attention. And one of the things he writes about is he talks about how our attention what we give our focus to is one of the last pieces of real estate on the planet. That's a good phrase. I love it because, um, like, you know, here in Colorado where I live, like every street corner has a bulldozer on it or a crane. Um, so in that visual imagery of there's very few wild spacious places left on a physical planet and shrinking by the, the day, and then what he was talking about, and especially if you um, spend time, you know, in social media, you know, the frequency by which you have an ad that pops up that is the very thing you looked at three days ago, you know, yep. and it's how targeted it is. So it's the our attention is this last frontier that's being focused on by everyone else to capture our attention. So it was really helpful for me to just begin to to step back, and I spend time. Now, in the work that I do in the world, I spend time with executives and we get to ask this question, what are you giving your attention to? So there's a an actual um, uh, study that's been done and it's essentially um, uh, attention deficit disorder, but it's called ADT with a uh, capital T like Tom. And it's an attention deficit trait and the attention deficit trait is an adult onset version of ADD that is developed by habits and behaviors. Mm. 
by where we give our attention to. So every ping, blue dot, uh, swipe, ding, you know, flash notification is actually changing our brains in subtracting from our ability to focus on things. And so this, if you take that idea at a meta level and then zoom out and take it at a macro wide level, then the question becomes what, what is happening to us as humans? And then um, we can find God in quiet places. But I've never found God's voice to be screaming and loud above all the noise. And so for me, um, where I want to have my attention is I want to be able to wield my attention as a muscle that I direct, mm. not is directed for me. Because to me, that's um, strength and power flowing away from me yeah. yep. versus strength and power I retain. And so I'm just learning that what I give my attention to um, of content, of people, of, you know, my schedule, like how I run my life um, is very important to create the life that I actually want to live, to have the relationships I actually want to have. So really great. I'm sure you get each of the listeners listening. You have stories of people who are addicted to their their device you can't have a conversation with them without the device being in their hand. Um, or if it's on the table, it's face up or, you know, they're just, you can watch their eyeballs twitch when a notification comes in. So that's the culture we live in. And I just find that for me, the life I want is the deeper, the longer game. And I want intimacy and purpose and meaning and connection. And what the culture is offering me is largely void of that. So I'm taking back my attention. And so talk to me about just practical steps. Like, have you separated from your phone at certain hours of the day? Um, yeah. I, think, I think if silence, stillness, and solitude is some of the great, uh, you know, I, it's almost like its own type of real estate that we need to be walking through. Um, <laughs> how, how do you, how are you finding yourself... Um, or how, how are you disciplined to uh, have that attention go where you want it to go, not necessarily where Instagram and everywhere else wants it to go for you? Yeah. Um, my disclaimer is I'm a work in progress. <laughs> so, <laughs> all of so, so as long as we're all cool that we're in this together, um, I will, I'll share with you some experiments I'm running. Um, first of all, not being on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, um, and LinkedIn, um, since January has been really liberating. And, um, I've just, I've, I've actually deleted most of them from my phone altogether. So they're not an app I can access. And, um, I've turned off all notifications for any of those and all of those. And the experiment I was attempting to run was just what if I just am present where I am, you know, wherever my feet are, that's where I want to be right now. That's good. And, um, and then I, I've for a long time had all notifications on my computer and my phone turned off with the exception of text message. Text message is the only thing that I actually get a, you know, a, a red light or a blue light, you know, unread. Everything else is notifications off. So every app on my phone has all notifications off just because I can't handle, um, I have one channel that I can provide my attention to 
and if that channel gets occupied by other things, I'm not able to do the thing that's in front of me. And um, so that's been a huge one for me. I use the unsubscribe button in my email um, probably, I would guess, two to four times a day. Um, whatever comes in my inbox, if I don't want it and I didn't ask for it, I'm done. And it's not in, in, I've also learned that in that, when I opt out of, um, friends work that I really love, I'll put on the opt out message. Hey, I love the work you're up to in the world. Thank you. And I'm just, you know, lowering my intake and, but keep going, keep doing what you're doing. And to me, that's another way where I can just keep shrinking the things that my attention gets divided by. And less but better. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Less but better, right? And then probably the you know one of the things that I practice, I would say, really pretty well, is I don't read. And this is not always purely true because when I'm traveling away from home for work, I might check text messages for my family just to make sure everything's okay. Like just glance at it, but I don't actually engage my phone until probably 30 to 60 minutes after I wake up. So I go straight to the silence, um, prayer, meditation, cup of coffee, and some sort of exercise before I'll engage my device in the outside world. And I just find that then I'm operating from a place of strength and centered strength and grounded in, you know, I, I believe that our spiritual life is actually the greater reality of our life than just the physical world that we navigate in. So I try and put my focus in the game I want to be in first. Yep. You start in the inbox, you're smoked right from the get-go. Yeah, I'm done. Yeah, and I'm just, I'm, I'm done for the day. Um, and then, you know, insets my anxiety yep. <laughs> later, later, sometime that week or that month or that day. Yep, totally. But if the intention is there to begin in that silence you know, yep. move to physical activity, cup of coffee, whatever it is, yep. um, you, it's total game changer. Have you read Atomic Habits yet? I don't know it. No. Um, Atomic Habits, it's a good one. It's all in the vein of essentialism, the one thing. Uh, uh, they're all kind of cross-pollinating a bit. Um, cool. But he talks about how um, a, a written plan, He, he they gave three sets of people, 200-something people uh they said hey we want you uh, are you going to work out this week yes okay great um and then they they watched those people and they said next group you're going to work out yes okay we want you to read a book that tells you uh the benefits of working out okay great we'll do it mm-hmm. and then they said to the third group uh we want you to are you going to work out yes okay write down you know the na- the date and the time you're going to do it and of course they outperformed the first two groups by 93% Oh my God. Um, so I think like just, just the written intent of like, you know, I don't pick up my phone now. I, this is where I start my day. I immediately go to my 20 minute sit in silence or whatever it is. I think it's yeah. huge that the, the conversation of intention is, uh, the great conversation. I think that we're all transitioning into. And one of the things I've been learning about intentions too, is that, um, uh, I know because, you and I share, um, you know, f- our faith life is anchored um, in the life of God is that a lot of people use intention as a real kind of a just real kind of generic, like, here's my, I, the vernacular I often will use is like, here's the heart's desire that mm-hmm. I have. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, I, I am happy to call it intention. That's fine too. 
Um, but well, I think the difference is that it's actually something that I'm bringing into my life with God to say, okay, God, this is my heart's desire. This is what I'm longing for. This is what I'm sensing. Um, and I, I ask, you know, that would, would you partner with me in this? Yeah, well Can we bring this to life together? And we also, um, mend, you know, that desire, um, you know, bring that along with me. And so I think what I've noticed is then when I say that my attention is, okay, I'm going to keep my attention of my own and I'm not going to allow it to drift from me as, you know, as a discipline and as a practice. And then the intentions that I have, you know, in the past, we would have called those like goals or yeah. New Year's resolutions yeah. or heart's desires or, you know, a plan or whatever. So I'm, I'm real flexible, you know, and like call it whatever you want, but, but make sure that you have something and, you know, make sure like for me, I'm holding this book that, you know, I spent whatever, 10 years on and two years on writing. Um, and it's really fun to physically hold what I intended, you know, what I birthed, what, what God and I co-created, um, what incubated in me and marinated in me and, the choices and trade-offs that I made, um, the, the thousands of them to enable for this to become a reality. And what happens from here, I have a whole nother set of, you know, intentions. Sean Askinoski and I talked about it. Um, and I know you've, you're friends with him and you've had him on the podcast here and, you know, he had some great advice on being really clear about what do you intend to have happen? So I've been spending time on that. What do you want the impact of this book to be? And it's like, wow, that's actually a hard question. <laughs> um, you know, when you go beyond like metrics, he's like, no, 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 like whatever, you know, you're going to sell X number of books, blah, 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 blah. Yep. But what about the people? What about like, you want it to be the go-to, you know, career classic of the next 10 years or what, what is it you want? Yeah. And it's like, okay, I'm going to wrestle with that. I don't mm-hmm. quite know I can articulate it, but it feels like it's worth spending time on so that I can hopefully get there. Yep. Totally. Or at least get a version of it that I can live into. Yep, that's good. Askinosi's gift is like knowing there's another layer to that onion you haven't gone to yet. Oh, cool. Okay, like, good. I think that's his gift. It's like, no, 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 no. Deeper than that. The, under under that thing. What's that thing? Okay, nice. Um, love that guy. Uh, let's talk about the book. Yeah. It comes out January. What? Ha, where? Where can we get it? Um, what days everywhere you find books. Yeah. Isn't that fun? Like (laughs) I've never been able to say that everywhere you find everywhere you buy books. Um, so it's up for pre-order right now on Amazon and on Barnes and Noble. Um, it's presently available in, um, a paperback and Kindle. And then all of you that prefer to digest books, um, in audio form, um, the best way you can make that happen is to buy a Kindle or a, a uh, paperback to copy. You. So vote, like consider it a Kickstarter plan, you know? Yeah. Um, vote with your money and <laughs> that what um, is coming soon, I hope, but will also be subject to metrics of how well it uh, it does straight out of the gate is whether or not the, the, the uh, we're able to birth it into the audio form. So I've just been telling all my audio friends, which I'm a big um, Audible um, book uh, user, is that if you want it in um, audio form, then buy it in paperback, and that will make it much uh, easier for us to get that project going. 
Right on. So uh, the backstory, Fire Your Boss. Where, when did this, it's a decade in the making. Talk to me about um, where the whole idea of this started. Yeah. Um, you mind if I just read you the, uh, the intro? Let's go. That's perfect. I'd love it. All right, cool. All right, introduction. This is the third time I've written this book. The first version was a rant. The second was a passionate sermon. And this one is a swan song. I've contemplated quitting and not finishing this version a thousand times, but I knew that you were out there waiting for a lifeline. The work you do every day is meant to make a lasting dent in the universe, but some of you don't believe it anymore, and your heart is growing weary. I suspected you picked up this book because of the polarizing title, and you're banking on me giving you some silver bullet advice on how to rid yourself of a boss forever. Sorry, pal. But this isn't a book about becoming an entrepreneur or about how to retire early. I'm offering alchemy. This is a book about how in the day in and day out of going to work, you can learn to create irrefutable value in every workplace, regardless of circumstances. And if we attempt to tackle our career challenges head on, Albert Einstein promises no problem can be solved from the same level of consciousness that created it. But if we take a personal transformation approach of becoming the kind of person who can move from fear to freedom, blame to accountability, disengaged to engaged, powerless to empowered, compartmentalized to wholehearted, and rule follower to heretic, well then, everything can be different. Fire Your Boss is a new liberated way of working where we learn to lead and manage ourselves, mature into wholehearted humans, and transform our work organizations from the inside out. True career liberation is an inside job, always. Together we're starting a revolution, a gathering of ruckus-making brave souls who share conviction about the importance of doing work we love while engaging our heart, body, mind, and soul. In other words, we want it all. We're about to embark on a journey, a road less traveled, to confront the root causes fueling our workplace unrest. But full disclosure, it isn't going to be what you think. This is not a revolution with pitchforks and torches. As I said, this is an inside job. Ready? Let's go. Let's go. Yes, sir. <laughs> you know, I'm a sucker yeah. for sentences and ones that are short that just, yeah. that just gut you. I love them. Here, the one. This is what I just got. I'm offering alchemy. Yeah, yeah, that's a good yes. one. Isn't it? Yeah. Yes, that's yeah. a grand slam sentence. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Um, good. Let's riff on alchemy. Yeah. What's that mean uh, to you? Well, you know, a friend of mine gave me the book, The Alchemist. Oh. And I could read, I could read it daily if I had the capacity. Yeah, and so <laughs> I, I'd heard about it. You know, like by title, but I knew nothing about it. Mm -hmm. And so I read it and what I found so beautiful about it that, you know, 93 million other people have, um, is just, you mentioned, um, earlier when we were offline before we got started about this idea of connecting the dots in our life yep. and that looking back, it's only in the rear view mirror are we able to gain the clarity of how this thing goes with that thing and how everything matters and everything is useful and, um, and everything is important 
the setbacks, the hardships, the upsets, the victories, the mountaintops, the valleys, all of it. And so what I realized is um, I'd finished writing the book and I was working with my, I had hired a, an editor to work with me during the writing process. And as I would complete a chapter, I'd flip it over to him and then he'd flip it back to me and then we'd flip it one or two more times. And so as we're doing that process, um, I put the introduction off to write last, basically, mm. that, that in the epilogue. Um, and so when I got to the introduction, I told him on the phone, I was like, man, I don't even know where to start. Like, how do you summarize a book? Like, this is, how do you do this? And I said, what I think I want to do is I think I'm just going to say this is the third time I've written this book. I've almost quit. Um, the first time was a rant. You know, the second time was a sermon. And he's like, write that. Just say that. <laughs> so when I, when I went back and I was like, okay, well, what is it that I'm offering? And I realized it's like, oh, it's like the alchemist. Yeah. I'm offering, that's my offer. I have alchemy for you in this book that will help you connect dots. And if you really want to get free and you really want to live true and wholehearted in our life at work, which permeates our life in the rest of our relationships at home, um, then that's what I have to offer here. And like I said, it's not going to be pitchforks um, and torches. But make no mistake, this is a revolution. This is a different way of operating in the world and navigating the world in this hub of the wheel we call work. But it really is about just being human yeah. and and all of these stories and lessons and big ideas um, all permeate the entirety of our lives. Yeah, so good. It all matters. It all belongs. It, yes. Um, alchemy is one of my favorite words. So. Oh, good. Nice. Um, Paulo Coelho, P.S., is who wrote The Alchemist, if y'all are like, what are they talking about? Um, such a good book. Um, right on, man. What day does it drop again? The 7th? No, it's uh, January 14th. 14th, okay. Yeah. Um, drops on the 14th. You guys, make sure you go get a copy of that. Um, man, what else? So you're doing, uh, you also talk about kind of a snail mail project. Totally. You've got up your sleeve. Talk to me about... <laughs> Uh, what's, what, what's happening with McHugh and forever stamps? Yeah. Kicking it old school. Right. Um, you know, I have, um, in this digital age that we live in, um, I so appreciate like, you know, I spent 15 years in technology and software and I love computer stuff in the digital world and all like, it, it's cool. I love Netflix flicks, you know, streaming yeah. into my house. Like I'm not a, I'm not a, uh, uh, I'm not attempting to revolt against society. What I am attempting to do is be clear about um, when we're being harmed by it, I guess. Yeah. And um, and then as a um, creator of content and messages, uh, I want to be part of the solution and not part of the problem. So, um, yeah, I guess two things came up was I, I do subscribe to a, uh, a newsletter that comes in paper form and it has for like 10 years. It's the wildest thing. And I kind of realized it's like, it's one of the only things I opt out of everything. I, I really don't enjoy opening the mail. Mm -hmm. Um, and I recently heard about a, a, a friend of a friend who, uh, he's in the junk mail business <laughs> and, um, basically he, there was some ridiculous statistic as there it's a 1.87% return for advertisers in junk mail. And you know, it's some like behemoth amount. It's like a, 
you know, the number of trees that we kill for a 1.75% return. And it's basically it's, so it's 98 plus percent noise um, for the less than 2% of the people who actually respond to it. So it, it just gave me a heartache of like, whoa, that is effed up. Um, and, but then I, in contrast, I get this once a month letter that comes typed on some nice stationery and it's hand signed and I use them as bookmarks. Like, you know, I probably keep a third of them because the message is like, oh, it's like getting a letter from a friend. Hmm. And I find that when I, I like to pull those letters back out as a marinator, um, and I, I use them in bookmarks and books I'm reading, or I take them on, on the road when I travel and stuff them in my um, backpack and I'll pull them back out on the plane or whatever. And I find like, I actually love how this lives in my life with me. And then next to my desk here, I have a curated list of my favorite books. And oftentimes I'm not even reading them like actively. Um, They may be in my queue to read, or they may be just on my list of favorite books I have read, but I kind of just like them that they live with me. (laughs) Like they're they're my friends. friends. Totally. They're yeah. totally my friends. Yeah. So Aspinosi's books up here, yeah. um, Roger Thompson's books up here, um, some Rob Bell's, you know, and on and on, yeah. uh, essentialism. So I thought, you know what? I know how I can contribute to making the world a better place. I will kick it old school and ask for people to like opt in to a, it'll probably be four times next year. Um, at this point is what I'm aspiring to, uh, or intending to. And I'll make it where it's ideas that I want to have live in physical form. And not to say I won't replicate those digitally, but that I'll at least begin with those ideas um, in paper form. So then I'm a real big nerd when it comes to road trips and adventure stuff. And I spend a lot of time outdoors. Um, And so there's a a guide series that I really love. It's uh, Wildsome Guides. And it's like the old school, like AAA auto club kind of ran McNally mm-hmm. old school maps. Um, they have this retro, um, series that are these, uh, city guides is really what they are. Like I have a San Francisco here in front of me. I have one that's from the desert Southwest and they're, um, what I would call like typeset. And what I mean by that is like when you open it up, you can tell it's like, uh, it almost looks like a typewriter typed it, you know, versus just a digital printer. Yep. Um, and so it just has this like, I don't know, enduring feel to it. And you can tell like there's been a lot of care that's been put into these things. So I've been working with my designer and he's amazing. So I have like all these like maps and pocket guides, field guides, typeset stuff. Um, and we were working on it yesterday, in fact. So we're coming up with this. Um, yeah, I guess it'll just feel like, it'll feel like a, a letter from a friend, um, a fellow journeyman, um, on the path together and it's an opt in only, um, I will not contribute to, you know, noise in the mail. And my, my hope is that it will feel like that, uh, Seth Godin book title from years ago, this free prize inside. Yeah. You know, that when you open it up, there's something that delights, yeah. delights you and that can live with you and something that actually is, uh, is a welcome, um, something to give your attention to that will enrich your life. Very cool. How do we sign up? So good question. Let's see. Um, if you go to, do I have it live? Let me, let me see. In, in queue. It's working. It's coming. 
Yeah, no, well, uh, if you just go to my website, AaronMcHugh.com, and if you sign up for field reports um, or any one of the things there, um, it will have the op- you'll have the opportunity to opt in to to that. Um, may after the new year have to come back and just ask you for your physical address if it's not um, in the form. We're doing some back end work on it right now, but start there and opt in at least to the digital version. And then there'll be many more op- options for uh, how you add your address to it. Right. But it'll be super rad. So I would say coming in first quarter after the first of the year, we'll have our first one out. And then the other thing that I'll add to that is um, in the same analog um, house-to-house way, um, I'm doing that with my book tour next year as well. Um, and part of the spirit of the long game is instead of looking as my book launch as a month or a two or three months like the publishing industry does, um, I'm really taking on as 2020 is the year I will be launching my book through the course of the year and doing that as a, um, if you would like to host me in your home and you and some friends and we kick around a fire in the backyard, um, or we share, um, ideas in a, in a bottle of wine or whatever version of that, um, I am accepting inquiries. So it's been really fun. I've gotten some really fun ones so far, like, a cool barn, um, in the middle of Iowa <laughs> and to, uh, you know, some SoCal stuff and kind of all over. So yeah, that's part of my, yeah, part of my attempt to help make it real and let's go deeper together. Beautiful. Maybe 2020 is the year we get you to come see us. We host an Done. event. Um, I love Waco. We need to do that. Yeah. We need to make it happen. Um, and reboot anything going on with your reboot project? Yeah, we um, a number of years ago when we, my wife and I, and family um, sold everything, and which I, even as I say it now, I'm far enough from it. It sounds a little wilder as I say, <laughs> uh, like literally, I like sold everything and wedding china to uh, you know five bedroom house and like genuinely uh, started our life over. Yeah, um, yeah and yeah. in that we, um, I wouldn't say we're minimalists, but we are very intentional in. Mm-hmm and careful about the life that we live the life that we have, the stuff that comes in our house. And we also live sloppy at times, right. Um, too. So what we did with the reboot, um, workshop was we really made it more of an, an experience, a three day experience where we gave people the opportunity to interact with big ideas. And it wasn't about ridding yourself of stuff or, Hey, you should follow us and do what we did. And, leave your jobs and move to the mountains. It was more about the idea of um, how well um, do the values you hold in your life of what you deem to be important to you. And when you overlay those, first of all, do you know what they are? Um, Second of all, are, you know, sometimes there was couples there, there was individuals there. Are you clear about those things? And then when you overlay your behavior and choices, where are their gaps? And then um, what, what of the gaps would you like you're content with and are totally fine? Like, Oh, that's fine. Yeah. I value this, but you know, there's a little bit of a gap in how I show up in the world and the choices I make. That's totally cool. Or there's like big gaps. And we did things like relationship maps, you know, the people that you spend time with in your life, they're life giving versus the people that you spend time with that are life sucking. And so we just did a lot of like really practical looking at our lives and we'll have um, we'll have some of those upcoming in 2020 as well. And we'll be part of our, uh, yeah, part of how we're offering life to others that we've been offered. Love it. Love it. Well, I know I've said it before. Um, 
but I'll continue to say it again. You, uh, I think your, your great gift to me has been, um, questions, you know, leaning into the questions that at some point you realize the questions are actually more valuable Mm. than your answers. Um, and you have caused me to question my attention and, and absolutely caused me to question, uh, now my intentions. So, Mm. um, super grateful for you and your work, uh, in the world. I know it's, it's been a gift to me and my family, and I know it's a gift to our listeners and, uh, we support all you're doing, my friend. Thank you for uh, helping us all tune up to something good, true, and beautiful. Yeah, so good, brother. Well, bless you, man. So good to be with you again. Hey, man, right back at you, and uh, I, we're just gonna keep it. We're gonna keep it happening. So we're, you, your your annual appearance will always be here. <laughs> and and if you get the itch and you need to come on again, we'll take you whenever whenever you want to come on. Love it, love it. All right, Thanks. man. Till next time. All right, sounds great. Hey, before you go, don't forget to hit subscribe right there on your phone. That's probably where you're listening. Uh, And if you enjoyed this, would you mind leaving us a review? One of the things that we're wanting to do is get this information out to as many people as we can. And we are finding that uh, when people leave good, true, and beautiful reviews, uh, that helps us get this information out more and more to people all across the world. I do not take it lightly uh, that you invite me to ride shotgun with you in your car, Uh, You allow these conversations to be a part of your jogs. You allow these conversations to be a part of the communities and families and businesses that you've been entrusted. Uh, I do not take that lightly at all, and I am thrilled uh, that you have joined us here at this table, at this conversation. There's always a seat left. There's always room for more, uh, and we are just so grateful for you guys joining us here at Good, True, and Beautiful. And as you approach this week, may you pause by the orchid. Listen to the bluebirds sing and be love.